Welcome back for another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by my partner, Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. Will, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how lonely it can be to be a founder. And we, we referenced a, you know, a number of things you can do to stave that off. But I think one of the most important things that, that either you or I have done in our history as founders uh, is, is to gather groups of founders together and gain catharsis and understanding and camaraderie and lots of stuff. Yeah, we've done it a lot. We've done it for, boy, it's got to be going on over 20 years. And the original impetus for all of this was it's a lonely journey. And yeah. it turns out there's a lot of people right in your own neighborhood that are going through the same thing at the same time. And rarely do they ever get together in a meaningful, deliberate manner and start sharing what they're all going through. And I started doing this as kind of a just an experiment over 20 years ago. I was in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Not a lot of tech entrepreneurs doing what I was doing uh, in the 90s, as you can imagine. But there were some of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I decided to start calling all of the folks in town who were doing anything in technology and invite them over for a beer. It was just that. Initially, it was just that. I was, yep. I was feeling what we talked about, Ryan. I was feeling that feeling where I'm starting to feel lonely, starting to feel off. And I just had to believe, it was just intuition that other people were feeling the same way. So yeah. again, this is back when you had to call everybody because there weren't any social networks and <laughs> most people didn't even have email, probably not even the people in the tech industry. And, uh, and so I just started reaching out to all the folks that, that I could find. And the, the invite was simple. I said, just come on over, let's have a beer. Let's just get to know each other. We're all doing tech. Let's see what happens. And so almost every person that I reached out to said yes, which was shocking because you have to understand, none of these people had any idea who I was. They had no idea yeah. why I was inviting them over. I'm not even sure I knew. <laughs> right. And I was trying to get them all to just come over, meet each other, have beer. So we do. Yep. Everyone shows up. And I didn't have an agenda. I didn't even think people were going to show up, but they did. And so I remember we wound up just kind of making our way over to my living room and sitting in kind of like a big circle. And what wound up being one conversation. Again, none of this was planned. And all of a sudden, after a few drinks, people start loosening up a little bit. And then this crazy thing happens. These total strangers who I've never met before start completely opening up about their business in, in lives, not just about their business. They started talking about all the challenges they were having. And it just morphed into this thing as the night went on where every person in the room just for the first time in probably forever for some of us had permission to be vulnerable about yeah. what we were dealing with. And it was infectious. And by the way, it wasn't really like a bitch session. There was some of that. It was just honesty. Yeah. Just honesty. Those floodgates open up. And then you like you said, you know, it may have been the first opportunity ever, or at least in, in a significant amount of time that those folks, yourself included, had to get that kind of catharsis, right? To be able to be that level of honest with somebody other than themselves. And it may be even themselves, right? I, I know that there have been times where I've been um, allowed to share and all of a sudden I hear the words coming out of my mouth. I'm like, wow, I'm being really honest about this right now. Like I hadn't even been this honest with myself up until this point, Recall. right? But now that I hear it out that, loud, right? Yeah. You hear it out loud and you're like, man, that really is how I feel. And I hadn't, uh, I hadn't gotten in tune with that yet. 
And look, people have figured out that, you know, some version of therapy, when you say things out loud, has been effective since the dawn of time. But what was odd about this first get-together was that none of us expected it. None of us showed up for that reason. In fact, I think it just happened completely organically. And in that night, everyone was just kind of blown away. It's like we had this like group experience and everyone walked out going, wow, man, like we absolutely have to do this again. And at the time, no one knew exactly why or again, what exactly just happened. Sure, sure. But something kind of special happened. And so after that, and this is again over 20 years ago, I started doing these on a more regular basis. And since then, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these founder get-togethers in different cities, uh, mostly numerically. I'd say the number I've done in, in LA when I was in Southern California for a long time, quite a few in San Francisco and, and often a lot in Columbus. But it didn't matter where I did them. Ryan, you've been doing them uh, similar, similar get-togethers in Guatemala. Same thing. Yeah. Guatemala, in Cyprus, in France, in Taiwan. Like This has always been, you know, and, and for me, you know, I, I think that there was just this kind of selfish need to be surrounded by other people that were going through the same stuff, right? And we, we all have that. I wanted them to be around. I wanted the network. I wanted the uh, the support. And so uh, every time I transplant myself somewhere, I reach out. And I mean, what a great calling card it is to be an entrepreneur, right? A fellow founder. It isn't hard to get people to rally around that. And, and it was a beautiful thing to be able to quickly create these these networks of people um, and like you said have these really deep meaningful honest conversations with what otherwise other than you know being fellow founders were complete and utter strangers to me in most cases i may have known a little bit about the background of their company um maybe a friend of a friend of a friend made an intro um, but i was in some far-flung places and and meeting people i never would have had opportunity to do otherwise and then again having these really honest, genuine, deep, and meaningful conversations. And it's it's been a fantastic part of my life for, I guess it's catching up on 20 years. Man, I have to keep redoing the math on this. Yeah, we keep getting older <laughs> every year, right? Is that how that works? Exactly it. <laughs> it's been a while. And so a lot of the folks that are probably listening uh, say, hey, that sounds great. I'd love to be part of a group that would that would do something like that. So I thought maybe what we could do today is detail why why these things are put together, how these things are put together, and what the agenda looks like. So if you're thinking about maybe either getting involved in one or putting one together yourself, you could start to understand how powerful this is because sure. it's, it's a bit life-changing. and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> There's not much to it. And I think it taps into a very dormant issue that a lot of us face, which is loneliness. I think it's a, a bit of validation that, man, I kind of felt like this was what I was going through. But now that I hear all you guys say the same thing, it's definitely what I was going through. And I'm glad it, to hear right. I'm not the only person going through it. Uh, it taps into the founders' need and desire to help each other. You know, We'll talk about that a little bit, about how founders in these meetings, without even pr- being provoked, will just automatically offer to help each other. And it just creates this amazing thing. And I think we should probably talk about how, if you know, folks are listening, how we can get them involved in something like this. Sounds awesome, man. Yeah, I think that, um, like you said, the 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 formula is fairly simple, but there is a a very large and latent need in almost every founder community I've ever visited. And and oddly, right, for as simple as this is, they don't tend to exist, right? You and I have had this conversation that, despite the fact that it's very simple and it's very effective, that each time we go somewhere and we bring this up, people are super excited to get involved, 
And yet they've never done anything like this before. And that always catches me by surprise, like because of the simplicity and because of the effectiveness of this, why more of them don't exist is still beyond me. Well, I think the versions that do exist, you know, there's YPO, there's EO, there's um, uh, Vistage, and, and all of those are great programs. I've been part of some of them, actually huge fan. But for some reason, it's not this. It's, it's not yeah. very targeted to what founders are dealing with, uh, to the emotions of founders. And somebody from one of those programs might say, hey, bullshit, that's exactly what we talk about. And, and cool. I mean, that's great. I'm not trying to say yeah. it's, you know, it has to be unique in its own right. But to your point, Ryan, I got to tell you, I've hosted hundreds of these, which means I've hosted thousands of people. I don't get people coming to me and go, oh, this is exactly what I was doing uh, in, yep. in my other group. It's just did this bizarre. last Tuesday, right? Yeah, it never happens. <laughs> exactly. In yeah. fact, most of what I get is I have never been in a room with fellow founders where we talk about any of this stuff openly. Here's the yeah. counter example, Ryan. I go to a dinner. I'm invited you know, for, for this dinner for whomever puts it together. I sit at a long table with 12 other people, maybe people I haven't met. And here's what happens. Hey, let me tell you about your my startup. Let me tell you about your startup. Hey, guess how great I'm doing? Hey, guess how great I'm doing? And it's like this <laughs> kind of chest-pounding competition. An, it's an Instagram conversation in real yeah. time, right? Let's show off the absolute best parts of it. I got caught in one of these last week, actually. I got caught in a conversation where rather than really dig in and be honest about things, it was pretty obvious that the, the other founder just wanted to make me understand what a great founder he was. And, and nothing wrong with that, right? Sometimes you need that too, right? You need a little time part to of just kind of yeah. establish your 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 ground, right? And 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 let me know that you know what you're doing and you know where you're coming from, you know where you're going. And that was fine. But I, I couldn't help but think like at, at each turn in the conversation as I try to direct it to things. That, and, I, and I was trying to be really open and honest. I'm like, oh man, I'm glad you got that figured out because I'm still struggling with that, thinking that, ah, there, that'll be his, that'll be his, uh, the, the, the key that unlocks the door for him to feel a little more, uh, you know, comfortable, be able to be a little more honest, um, just never got there. And I, and I walked away from it thinking like, well, it was nice to spend an hour with a founder. Um, but man, I wish that it, I wish that it could have been a little more open and honest. And yeah, so you're right. Those, those conversations happen all the time too. I just don't think that they provide you very much of what you need other than shamelessly pitching only the best parts of your life. <laughs> I think it breaks out a lot of levels, Ryan. You said something, permission to be vulnerable, permission to be honest. Every time I put one of these groups together, again, I never tell people that it's going to be this, you know, open honesty session. That's the funny thing. Yeah. I just invite people over for for pizza and beer. That's it. That's that's yeah. the entire invitation. And there's no agenda with it. Like if people come over and it just winds up be, winds up being a good night of pizza and beer, cool. Like that's fine with, with me. Yep. But it never ends like that. It, it, they always end in this incredible night where everyone finally gets this permission to be honest and finally gets the help they've been looking for for a long time. So over the years, we started to refine it a little bit. I think if it becomes too prescriptive, it becomes something else. But we found there's kind of three areas where we tend to drive the conversation throughout the night. And I think that's probably what we should talk about if we want to focus on something around this topic. But I think by keeping it simple, it becomes effective. By making it actionable, it becomes effective. People yeah. aren't expecting anything to be actionable. They're not expecting to get help. They're not expecting to commit to anything. And yet by the end of the night, all these hands are going up of people who want to get involved. So Ryan, if you don't mind, let me kind of talk about just how it typically opens. Are you cool with that? Fire away. Okay. So 
when the night first opens, uh, one of the critical things that we found is we've got to get everybody in a quiet place that's uh, private. Because if you're sitting at a table and you're within earshot of other people, it breaks. In fact, it's night and day. The other thing is, it has to be one conversation, which typically means everybody has to have line of sight to everyone else. Most of these I've done in my living room. So it's pretty much all of us just sitting in a circle around the living room, uh, having one conversation. And I'd probably say my contribution to kick these things off lasts two minutes, tops. And so mind you, all these people who haven't met each other before, a lot of them who have never met me before, have no idea what they're getting into. They don't know if I'm about to sell them Amway. <laughs> they don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> what a turn of events that would be. What a turn of events, right? Are all of you making as much money as you could possibly be making? <laughs> You're not. What? But uh, here, here's generally what I say. I say, look, I'm glad you guys made it. I want to get us, uh, give us an opportunity to just get to know each other. There's really nothing else here. Uh, I hate it when we're in, we're putting together a founder dinner. You meet three people. You have no idea who the rest of the people are, or worse, you get dis- discounted from the conversation altogether. So for tonight, we're gonna have one conversation. Everybody kind of appreciates that because again, they don't they don't know each other. But I caveat and I say, but one thing, whatever we talk about tonight, let's just try to keep as much confidence as possible. Try to keep, you know, whatever we say in Fight Club stays in Fight Club kind of thing. And and the reason we say that is because we sort of have to let folks know that we might talk about some pretty honest and and raw stuff and like, don't be a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, I I try to keep that stuff and and respect each other. But here's what's cool. You have to lay those boundaries out, right? Because otherwise people won't feel safe to share. And and at first nobody's ready to share anything. Again, we're we're founders. You know, we're we're, yeah. we're often type A's. We're um we're in a room of strangers. We don't really know what this idiot Will is talking about, <laughs> right? But <laughs> but it's a little bit intriguing. So what we do is we go around the room and we ask three questions. And and we'll talk about this in a little more detail. But we basically say, uh, you know, what are you working on? Which kind of gives you an opportunity to, to introduce yourself. And with that, you know, what are your biggest challenges right now? And that gets really interesting. We ask you, you know, what are some of the, um, uh, you know, what are some things you could use help with right now? And that becomes yep. kind of a deliberate ask. And, you know, what are some goals that you'd love to commit to in the future? Uh, and the goals we'll get to kind of separately. But the the first time I turn to somebody randomly, almost anybody in the room, usually somebody I think that might be a little bit more honest, like kind of set the tone. Yeah. And I say, hey, let's just talk about what your biggest challenges are now. The moment that person opens up with something incredibly real, like something like, dude, I've got six weeks of cash left in the bank right now. Yeah. And I'm looking down the barrel of a gun about to shut my startup down. Right. Whoa. Everyone in the room is like, whoa, what did you just say? It's the, you, that guy just rang a bell and everybody else is now one of Pavlov's dogs, right? Everybody's ready to share their own thing now. And yeah, yeah there, there's a huge, huge amount of follow on effect there doesn't have to be dire necessarily. It has to be honest. Yeah. I think we're so used to being in these rooms of people where honesty isn't necessarily the whole thing that's going around. That the moment one person's willing to go open kimono, let your guard down, everything else falls away from there. And holy cow, is it relieving. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, you see it all the time. You, when you sit across from a founder, and they, they open up to you. It feels oh, so good. Yeah, you can just you can just watch 
the expression change, right? Over time, like as they get it off their chest and they're able to let it go, they, they feel wonderful. Now, when you put that into this group dynamic, like we're talking about now, something even more magical happens, which is that everybody else starts to feel the anticipation of being able to do the same thing, get that same catharsis and relief. And it's amazing to watch. You, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago about what happens when somebody does open up like that, right? This was just an offline conversation you and I were having, but it, it dovetailed nicely into this. It was just that once that first person lets go of that, there's this sense of almost, you know, I don't want to say it's competitive, but it set, it certainly sets a bar, right? So if that first share, if that first bit of honesty is, you know, all the way to the bone, that's pretty much sets the bar for where everybody else is going to be. And we've actually seen it happen at some of these founder dinners where yeah, there's almost the sense of like trying to one up each other's challenges, right? And, you know, however you get there right? It's great, right? It doesn't matter if it's a competitive streak that, that pushes somebody to share um, or just they see the relief on that other founder's face and they want that same feeling. The group dynamic and what happens within it is incredible with these things. Well, I think part of it too is for a lot of the founders, especially early, you know, young founders in the room, they've never heard someone that's not them be yeah. very honest about where they stood in their business. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, yeah, like, it's easy what, to look around huh? at a group of founders and assume that everybody else in that room has their shit figured out, right? You just assume that, right? Everybody else has got, you know, got it all figured out. Their staff is all amazing. Their marketing is operating perfectly. Uh, their their board is always happy with every one of their decisions, right? <laughs> Until you start yeah. talking and then you realize they're just like you with all the same shit problems you have. And, you know, not every person in the room feels like sharing, you know, uh, stuff that they're dealing with. Not every person has a problem, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. There's that. But but what's interesting to me is you only need a couple of people in the room to start laying out where their heads are at. Yeah. And and there's just this, I don't know how else to describe it, like sigh of relief of like, thank God I can start talking about this stuff honestly. Yeah. Mo most importantly, in a room of people that actually understand what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. And that that's a huge part of it. You know, it, to your point, not everybody's always got a grave current challenge. Sometimes things are going well. It does happen. Yeah, which is fine. Um, Great. It's fine. And I, I'm remembering back to, gosh, this would have been like 2016, founder dinner at your house. And somebody opened up with a, a, a pretty pressing like internal issue with, within the company. And nobody else was going through anything similar at the time. But at least two or three other people out of the dozen that were there opened up with similar situations they'd had in the past, right? And so while they weren't going through it then, it still gave that other founder the, the, the comfort in knowing that they had been through it, right? They were able to offer some perspective on it, um, but there was still the same level of honesty in the share, right? And that was what was really cool about it. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, I've been through that. Here's what to do. It was the full story of what it was like to go through it, right? Open and painfully honest, um, and, and that goes a long way, right? Knowing somebody has been through something and then giving you the advice that they garnered from that situation is one thing, hearing the story of them going through it and being able to feel that pain vicariously makes it that much more powerful, right? Just again, adds to that group dynamic really, really makes these things something special. It also makes people trust each other. You know what 100%. I mean? Like all of a sudden I shared something very personal, kind of hard not to trust that person. And by way yeah. of that, give them a little bit of your own trust, you know, in, in yep. an exchange. But the other thing that's really interesting is let's say that first or second person shares something. And instead of a lot of people just looking at them or even feeling like they're being judged in some way, 
you get the opposite. You get a whole bunch of people saying, dude, I've been there. It's the worst thing yeah. in the world. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like you guys went through this too? Because I think what happens, Ryan, for all of us is we often think that we're the only person going through it. Because your point, sure. I think you nailed it about the, the Instagram version of everybody. We <laughs> yep. don't get the real version of everybody. Nope, nope. We and get so, the high level snapshots of just the good stuff, right? Yeah. And so so all of a sudden, you know, we're going through this this process and three people sitting next to us who maybe we do know something about them, maybe we respect them, maybe they're friends, are saying, man, I've been through the same thing. You know, let me help you with this. And now all of a sudden, you're not only not alone, you're actually being helped. Sure. Often, often what I see for a lot of folks, and I watch it on their face, and they'll tell me later, uh, they'll say, I know not everybody could help me necessarily, but knowing I wasn't the only one with these challenges took a huge weight off my shoulder tonight. Saying it out loud took a huge weight off my shoulder. It does. Now, and and yeah, you're 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 hitting right on the point, right? Which is that this trust that gets built through the open and honest sharing, right? Trust uh, it comes from that transparency. The transparency piece isn't just important for building that trust. I delivered a keynote a couple of months ago um, around the power of story, right? And then about being very very transparent in your storytelling. Um, and a big part of that is that once people have the story they can get involved. So to your point around, all of a sudden now I'm getting some help on this, right? I'm getting at least recognition that other people have been through this. Um, but in all likelihood, I'm going to get some perspective and advice that can be truly, truly helpful. Without that level of transparency, people can't help you, right? If they don't have the context, if they don't have the background story, at the best they can do is tell you what they did. There's no way for them to contextualize that to your situation um, and to know whether that's actually going to be good advice or perspective for you. And so, you know, through that trust building, through that transparency, this opportunity to really give and get help starts to come to life. Yeah, man. And I think that when we're building our company, we know we need help, but we're often not necessarily good at asking for it or <laughs> not good at it. <laughs> we're absolute shit at it in most cases. I mean, this is like, it's like, Being it's like asking for, it's like asking for directions, right? I got this. I got this. Yeah, right, right. And beyond that, we often no, don't know how to phrase the question in order to ask for help. Sometimes right. just saying, here's what the problem is. The people in the room are like, this is what you need help with. Yeah, no, that's exactly my point, right? It's the it's the story itself, right? You don't have yeah. to even come out with the request for help. But Absolutely. once they know the story, I can I can point to countless examples just in the last couple of months where after hearing somebody's story, I was like, okay, they need to talk to so-and-so, they need to check out this resource, and here's a piece of perspective from my own history that will shed some light on this, right? Without that story, without that transparency, I never would have been able to do that. I was like, oh, he's struggling. You know, she's having trouble. I hope it gets better. Right. That's all you can do. You know, we did one last week uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it was actually a larger group than I usually like to have. It was about 20 people, which I, I like to try to keep them to about 12 lot. at most. It, it's yeah. a lot. It's, it's kind of hard to get to everybody. Uh, it makes it for, for a long night. And right from the get go, guy comes in, he talks about his business and he talks about how he needed some help finding some people to interview for a podcast, which is actually an important part of where he was growing the business. Mm -hmm. And and so we said, it. well, hey, you know, who would be ideal interviews for you. And he starts to rattle off some names. And this is the coolest part, Ryan. Seven hands go up of people he's never met before. 
yep. that are like, oh, I can absolutely, this guy's a good friend of mine. I can absolutely make a, a, an introduction for you. Amazing. Right. And he's, and Instant again, go, going back to this, you know, immediate trust, you're like, wait a minute, this guy who I've never met before is all of a sudden willing to help me. And I just want to stick on this point for a second because I think it's so powerful and I don't think a lot of people know this. Founders love to help founders. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, it's why you and I are in this business, but but it's not unique to us. Most of the founders we work with are incredibly giving people. I'll give you an example. We, we run a, a platform called Clarity.fm uh, that is a huge resource for people to find mentors and experts, et cetera. And they charge for their time, which is a great idea, creates a little bit of friction, makes good use of their time, et cetera. Little known fact, a large majority of those folks just donate that money to charity. That's right. Meaning they're not doing it because they're trying to make money. They're doing it because they want to help founders. They yes. just can't say, you can have an unlimited amount of, amount of my time for free. Right. No, the, the pay barrier is a huge part of it, right? Because it makes people be a little more thoughtful before they engage them, right? But to your point, they're, they're not trying to do it for the money and they're helping in two ways, right? They're helping that founder directly and then they're, they're helping by, by turning around and giving it to charity, right? Which is just, it's so indicative of the level of desire to be helpful that you find in, I would say, 95% of founders. It, it is. And I think what happens is all of a sudden you put a bunch of founders in a room together, they're dying to help each other. And yeah. a lot of people, if you haven't seen this in action, you may not believe it. Try it. Get those folks in a room. Get the first <laughs> yep. person that says, I need help with something. And assuming it's a, a reasonable request that you know people can help with, yep. everyone in the room is going to go out of their way to try to help. Now, think about what that does in the dynamic of the room. The moment one person raises their hand and says, you know, uh, uh, I need help with something. And everyone else in the room raises their hand and says, I got you. Now, yeah. what blows me away is that the founder who asked for help didn't, I mean, they didn't even know that. They're, they were just happy Will wasn't selling Amway. <laughs> they didn't know what to expect <laughs> out of this thing. And the pizza's halfway decent. Yeah, exactly. Right. But all of a sudden, they've got all these people they've never met before rushing to help them. And those people they've never met before had no prompting that they should come there to help anybody with anything. Nope. They were, they were as surprised as the person who, who's receiving the offers for help right now, right? In terms of being asked for help. I've done this with thousands of founders over the years, and I've never seen any other outcome. I've never seen, yeah. uh, and bring these folks together, we get together, somebody asks for something and just get blank stares. You know, everyone's like, well, it's yeah. a problem for you, buddy. Or, yeah. Well, At all. Good luck. Yeah. Just pour them another beer. <laughs> Every single time. And it's this really cool kind of magic that starts to happen. And the other thing that's nice about it, you know, these are often done in in local areas, so Columbus or I did in LA or San Francisco. Yeah. These are also people that live next to each other. These are your founder yep. neighbors. What yep. a cool way to bring your community together on a regular basis yep. in a way we're saying let's let's share and help each other. It's so powerful. Going back to the the offers for help, one of my, you know, I have such mixed emotions about this because on one hand, one of my favorite moments at any one of these things is to see the shock and surprise of the person who's asked for help, that they now have these numerous generous offers for help. That makes me happy to see that. The look on their face, the, the, the shock, the almost embarrassment, right? That they're going to get what they asked for. Makes me happy. On the other hand, I'm a little bit sad every time because I realize this may be the first time that they've asked for help and been given it. 
right? And it's <laughs> such a pity. Um, so but true. you know, I'm I'm glad they've at least crossed that chasm. But yeah, I always have this mixed emotion. You just because you can just see the shock on their faces, especially the younger founders who maybe are expecting, like they've been expecting to get some help from somebody. Like, you know, everybody has these stories about their mentors and these people that help to lift them up. And they're like, well, what am I doing wrong that I don't have one of these humans in my life, right? Like, where's my mentor? Where's my muse? Um, and then they finally are sitting in a room and they're getting these wonderful offers for help on problems that they've just laid out in, in painful detail. And all of a sudden the sun just starts to shine on them. And it's an amazing moment to watch. You know, and I think for the folks that are, that have done this a few times, like, you know, I've moderated a bunch of these, if you will. There's even a little prompting that happens. In other words, we had a guy last time in the, the, the last founder dinner that we did. Uh, he said, um, having trouble hiring this position, if anybody has candidates for that for this position, one of the things I suggested to him, I said, hey, we could do that if folks here can help, but can anybody here help him hire for that position? Meaning yeah. basically become his surrogate recruiter and yeah, yeah. look over a few resumes or maybe even sit in on a couple of the interviews. And this was a pretty seasoned guy that was making the request. He said, you know, I never even thought to ask for that. Yeah. And so I think as these things evolve, the group can become more and more attuned to how to make the help better. Yeah. And, and they want to. That's the thing, yes. right? Like I would, I would much rather be asked to spend an hour doing something that's going to be really, really meaningful and helpful than to spend 10 or 15 minutes giving you advice that you have to wonder how to act on, right? I would much rather make that additional investment and know that it's going to see you through, right? It's like Pareto principle, right? You can, you do 80% of the work and get none of the value, right? That additional 20% may give you all the value. I would rather as a, as a founder to founder helping out go that extra mile and make sure that it's really going to have an impact. And I would say that again, 95% of founders are going to feel the same way. They're willing to put in the extra effort to make sure that it has impact, right? We don't like to do anything that falls flat. Like that's just a, a core tenant of being a founder. We want everything we do to work out. And so given the opportunity to go a bit further, most of us will. Agreed. And you know, when we've gotten through folks challenges, when we've gotten through some of their requests for help, if we've got a group that'll start getting together on a more regular basis, which by the way, I get asked to have this meeting on a regular basis every yeah, single yeah. time. I, yep. I, I wish to say, <laughs> I wish I, I did it more often. And the truth is we're going to start doing this at scale into next year with startups.com. But uh, if you have the opportunity to get together with the, with a similar group on a recurring basis, you can also start to make this more of a process. For example, you can start to say things like, hey, what are your goals between now and the next time we meet, right? Like, yeah, yeah. How powerful is that? Yep, get real specific. Commit to it in front of the gang. And this helps at so many levels. I was a, a part of a group uh, called YPO, a Young Presidents Organization, 20 years ago. And it's, it's, a, it's a good group. A little bit different than this, but, but a good group. And it was always the same group every single time. The you know, same seven yeah. of us, I think, yep. that got together. And what I felt was one of the most powerful things was during each, we called them forums, during each forum, we would commit to what we were going to do the next time we met, which was usually a month from now. And for some people, it may sound kind of hokey, like, hey, I'm a CEO, I don't need to make commitments. Man, there's something about saying something publicly, mostly to people who you respect, and more importantly, people you know you're going to see again, right? <laughs> like you're yep. going to have to stand up behind what you just said. And seeing it through, but there's there's an, an added level. Those people actually care whether you get it done. 
You sure. know, it's kind of like, you know, when you say, hey, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or something, it'd be the equivalent of you saying it to a bunch of other people who are personal trainers and they actually want to make sure you lose that weight. The other thing that's really powerful about stating your goals in front of people, particularly if you've just gone through what are my biggest challenges and, and what am I, you know, where do I need help? They can actually help you normalize those goals, right? Make sure that those oh, are on target and validate them and say like, is this really the most important thing right now? You just told us this is your big challenge. This is what you asked for help on. But now you're setting a goal that's a little bit incongruent with that. Or have you thought about this goal in this way or that way, right? So I think that getting those goals out in front of other people and getting feedback on the goals themselves can be really, really powerful. Well, we just did a whole episode on goals and how to how to make them reasonable and how to make them smaller and, and et cetera. And so I definitely, whenever I have this conversation with founders, start to get into a little bit of the, hey, that's a cool goal, but can we chop it in half so we can actually get to <laughs> You're right. Right? Yeah. So uh, it's a beautiful big goal. It's way more than you can accomplish in that time frame. Let's talk about but, that. But I think there's something powerful, like we talked about, about saying it out loud. Uh, oh, you know, for sure. It, and sometimes the goals, by the way, aren't necessarily business goals. I'll give you an example. A popular one that I hear is, I'm getting really fat. <laughs> I'm getting really unhealthy uh, <laughs> because I've been working nonstop for 18 months. I just want to get to a yoga studio one day a week. Right. That's my goal. That's, you know, it's honestly, funny. When you talked about the I, frequency of the meetings and people asking you to do more, I started thinking, man, if you start doing more pizza and beer on a regular basis, your Fitbit scale is going <laughs> to hate this, right? <laughs> we'll have to be standing in circle of treadmills. Yeah. So I think that um, for the for the founders to be able to say, "Here are my goals," you know, saying them out publicly, and then knowing that there's folks that will um, that will help them accomplish those goals is super powerful, which brings me to kind of what I would say is maybe our last point about how do we instantiate all of this? How do, when once this meeting happens, do, do we just walk away and say, Hey, I hope it works out? Or do we kind of follow up and do we kind of keep the drive alive? And I think yeah, yeah. historically, whenever I've done a shit job of following up with everybody, which, which happens, um, people get anxious, not angry, but anxious. Yeah. They're like, man, that was a yep. great night. And I feel like we had so many commitments. We had so many requests. We had so many, all these great things. And it just sort of died. Yeah. So we totally hit I, it off. Why aren't you answering my phone calls? I, I mean, it's so many levels. Hey, we're total strangers. I never got that, that gal's number or that guy's email or whatever. And so yeah. we couldn't reconnect. So this sounds obvious. But at the very least, I get everybody's permission and I do a group CC of everybody's emails the next day. And in that email, I'll basically say, hey, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just recite uh, what your ask was, like what your request was for the group. And if, you, if you'd if you like to commit to something, a goal, but next time we see you, throw it out there. Yeah. And I got to tell you, everyone does. It's incredible. It's really awesome. And what so, about the commitments to help? Right. So there's the, there's the, you're committed to point. what you're going to do, asking for the help that you need. Um, how do you, how do you bring that, um, how do you bring that part to bear? Because I think it is, it is important to remind people that they should be committing to help and that it is a commitment, right? It's, it's not an, it can't be a hollow offer. I think that's historically been a challenge because someone will ask for something. And let's say we've got 12 people in the room. The first person asks for something, seven hands go up. Awesome. But then the yeah. second person asks for something, the third, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it dies really fast. Now, a couple times, we've had a little bit of a court reporter there just taking notes as, as fiercely as they can, and that's pretty cool. 
Uh, we're working on some systems, Ryan, as you know, at startups.com to start to build oh, yes. some platforms to bring these groups together, but also to start creating some um, some detailed notes and easier ways to capture the commitments, capture the requests, capture the goals, and make it so that all this stuff starts happening on the fly. It's going to be huge. It's going to help yeah. in so many ways. Um, and particularly as we start to think about it across our entire network, starting to surface like how many people are suffering from the same issues and what sort of additional resources can we as a massive community of founders bring to bear against those challenges. And it's going to be really awesome to watch some of this stuff get solved at scale. Absolutely. And so, you know, I like to talk about as we're wrapping up a little bit, I like to talk about how people can put some of these groups together. So again, I don't want to be too self-promotive, but honestly, if we can help you with this, we're putting these groups together in every city on the planet. You can email us at, at therapy at startups.com, uh, therapy at startups.com, and let us know that you want to get involved in a group and we'll help you from there. We'll have a more formal process later, but really, if, you want, if, you're, if you're interested, if you like what you hear, there's groups popping up everywhere. We can help you out. If you have no interest in emailing us and you just want to do it yourself, that's totally cool too. Let me explain how that would work. Uh, and Ryan, you've done it too, so I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Here's how I've done it. I've typically looked for people that were obviously local, because in my case, I was working on particular cities. And I was looking for people who had some common thread. Now, this is really important. It's The, it's the group composition absolutely matters. I'm looking for people who often are at the same stage of their business. For example, for folks that are at the ideation la launch stage, they usually have different challenges than folks that are at the growth stage. So for example, if I'm at 200K in revenue, I often have different, just life challenges really, for sure. than people yep. who have 20 million in revenue. Yep. And so we look for some composition there. We look for people that have uh, some commonality because you're looking for common yep. ground. The curation um, is really important. Curation yeah. of the group is, is super important because to your point, if you get people with really very, very divergent points in the startup journey. There can still be, you know, good interactions between them, right? Particularly the more experienced ones can, can kind of fire stuff down. Um, and sometimes you'll see, you know, the, the newer startups being more in tune with some, you know, scrappy new technologies and things like that. But generally speaking for these groups, particularly for that honesty and transparency to open up, the closer they are to being peers, the more likely that is to happen. Otherwise, what I've seen occur is that you kind of get the two camps is like the experienced founders talking down. I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but like they're talking down from on high, talking from experience. They're speaking at the 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 younger founders or the the earlier stage founders, as opposed to speaking with them. Right? They don't treat Great them point. at peers in the same way. So I think that, that curation's really important. Well, what um, I have a, I have a couple methods that I use for for identifying these people. But how were you how were you going about identifying them? Okay, so <laughs> it's in some cases I've used LinkedIn. In some cases, what I do, and this is the most effective, I'd find say three, four, or five people that I want to invite, and I say, "Who would you invite?" And we talk yeah. a little bit about who they would yep. be. In every case, every single time I've done this, half the people in the room I've never met before. That's really important to yep. point out. People are thinking, "Well, Will must have this big Rolodex." I do. But that's because but, I invited yeah. lots of people who invited lots of people. Uh, <laughs> yep. So it, it wasn't my charisma, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, years ago, when I had first moved uh, to LA, it's like 10 years ago, I was working primarily in entertainment. I hadn't met a single person in technology. And after a year went by, it was blowing my mind because I was trying to find some peers. And so I hopped on LinkedIn 
and I typed in anybody with .com in their company name doing like a radial search uh, from from where I was living. Yeah, and yeah. the first person that came up was a guy named Jason Nazar, who, Ryan, you know, uh, from <laughs> yeah. DocStock.com or was from yep. DocStock. Um, he's, he sold it. And uh, so I emailed him, totally cold email. And I said, hey, man, I don't know you. You don't know me. We're both founders. I just got into town not too recently. And I'd love to have a beer with you and just talk shop. And that's really funny. I actually didn't know that's how you and Jason met. That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, it was totally cold. I mean, I might as well have met her on a Tinder date. Like it, right. it couldn't have been a more cold. Had, it, had Sean Rad just been working a little harder and had that. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jason says, sure, let's get together. And he and I get together and I'm like, hey, man, you know, why aren't there more people in this town in technology meeting with each other? And Jason was starting to put together some events around town. And so we started to team up a little bit. And I said, hey, I'm just going to start cold calling everyone around town, which by the way, for a kid dropping in from Ohio in LA, cold calling people in the mid 2000s, <laughs> yeah. not the coolest move, right? But it worked. Right. Every it worked. person that I cold called showed up. And in LA, that ain't easy to do. Right? The logistics of that are not insignificant. But the demand was there. So here's what I would say. If you're looking to get kicked off, don't try to fill necessarily the whole room. Look for five or six people you can start with explain to them what you're trying to do and see if they know somebody. If they can bring one yep. person, it's a win. If they can't, you know, no big deal. I don't think you need to have any more than uh, 12 people in the room. Six is probably too few, but again, because there's yeah. less people who can offer help. Yep. When it goes north of 12, you can't get to everybody and that becomes a bit of a challenge. When I had 20 people at my house last week, it was like a lightning round. It wasn't, it, it wasn't as good yeah. as it could have been but it was still pretty amazing. I think you have, um, you'll have a little more trouble building the, the, the relationship and trust when, when it gets too big. I think also yes. when, if it's too small, you have the same thing. It feels almost too intimate. Um, Great point. And, and so, yeah, I think that, but I think you've landed on, I think, I think a dozen is the right number. Right. I want to share a couple of things that I've done uh, in Shoot, terms please. of, of terms of gathering, gathering humans um, because the cold calling thing definitely does work. One of the things that I've done is, is, and, and maybe just out of laziness, I just went and hijacked other events, people, right? So yeah, uh, let me use St. Pete as a recent example. When I was in St. Pete, um, quite early on, you know, again, like you use the, the founder calling card, you start reaching out, you're going to get introduced to other entrepreneurs. You're going to find out what else is happening in the city, if anything at all. And th there were a few things going on uh, that I started showing up for. One Million Cups, which is, is, is a, a great event um, for really early stage startup companies. Um, started showing up for that on Wednesday mornings. And what I was able to do over about a three-week period was see some of the experienced founders who were sitting in the audience there to provide help, not to pitch their startups. I was able to see kind of who was raising their hands and asking really smart questions about these startup companies, who was giving really good, solid feedback about these, and like kind of, you know, who were the other smart people in the room that it would be fun to hang out with and, and, and talk shop. And it didn't take long before I'd identified eight to 10 people just from that single event over a course of about three weeks. And that was how I put together my first founder dinner down in St. Pete. And I've continuously done that, right? Like kind of anywhere I go, there's one here called um, Standing Beers. And it's, it's standing and it's, you know, it's a double entendre. It's standing beers and it's a, it's a meeting that happens every two weeks. Um, and it's also a bar where there are no chairs. So we just stand up <laughs> at the bar and, and, and drink and, and talk. And it's a good little event, um, but it is not, it's not, doesn't get to that founder level of honesty. You know, it's, it tends to be more of a, let's drink a little, let's commiserate a little, um, and then let's go our own way. And so I wanted to, to bring something a little more, 
a little more intimate to to Antigua. And so I basically did the same thing. Went there, picked up a couple founders, grabbed a couple people that I knew. Um, and then I always use your, your suggestion, Will, which is to then ask them to invite other people that I haven't met, right? Why do all of the work when I can leverage their network, have them bring people that don't know me? And, and it's just fun. It, it's actually, it's, there's a lot of, um, I take a lot of enjoyment from getting to meet somebody the first time and then turn on that level of honesty and transparency, right? If I already know all these people, it seems a little less magical, no less impactful, but I like the magic aspect too. That's a really good point. You know, I got to tell you, uh, Ryan, if, if we were to kind of summarize, just look at the, the the key points here, a couple things come to mind. And I'd love to hear yours, but my, my key takeaways or deliverables kind of to folks listening would be, if you're going to do this, make sure it's in a private setting, not at a restaurant, not anywhere yes. that anybody's in earshot. 100%. 100%. Make sure it's one conversation. You can't do this at a long table. You can't do it, you know, where, where people are stuck on one and people are stuck in the other. You got to yep. find some place where everybody's sitting campfire style where they can have one conversation. So only one person's talking and more importantly, everyone else is listening. Um, you know, we've never done this, but there's a, there's that, you know, a lot of group, a lot of groups do this. I'm part of a men's group that, that uses this mechanism, but you do something like the passing the baton, right? Where you're not talking if you're not holding this thing. And Absolutely. I would say it's, it hasn't been necessary at the founders' dinners, but if for some reason you find that it is fractionalizing, you are getting camps of people who are talking um, out of turn, then it's an easy mechanism to put in place. Well, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that every single time we do one of these, we have a room of type A personalities that can shut the <laughs> hell up long enough to let anybody else talk. Yep. <laughs> and it's not just the pizza. It's not just the yeah, pizza, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so... so those are, are my things. And the only other thing I, I would say, and then Ryan, again, I'd love to hear from you is um, I really think that how you cast it, you know, we say that I'm using a Hollywood term, but um, you know, how you pick who's going to be there is so critical. Yeah. It can't just be 12 random people at total random. You can do it, but the vibe never works the way you're looking for. If you spend well, a little bit of extra you're gonna time, you're going to get a random result. Sure it's the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you spend a little bit of extra time making sure um, you get the right people there, I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And that was, that was really the impetus behind going to these other events. I mean, I enjoy these other startup events anyways, um, but in terms of using those as a way to curate my, my kind of founder's inner circle, that was exactly why I did that. Because I can pick up the phone, I can talk to somebody, um, you know, I can try to feel them out or, or I may get a recommendation from somebody else. But if I can see how they interact with other founders before I bring them in, I have a much better sense for, right, is this the guy who's got advice for everybody solicited or otherwise, right? Or is, is this, you know, the, the sort of very quiet, pensive listener who's going to spend three weeks listening and then finally come with some really insightful comment, like, but you got to know that, right? I don't need a whole room full of people who are going to take three weeks to warm up. That's going to be awful, right? Nor do I need uh, a room full of people who, who can't shut up, right? That's also problematic. So <laughs> the, the curation, the curation piece is, is really important. I would say the only other thing, and I, this is probably just inherently true, um, but if you're going to put one of these together, have a real clear understanding of, of why you're doing it and, and what you want to get out of it. And, and even more so what you want to provide, like, why have you decided to do this? Why do you think now's the time to do this? And, and what are you going to bring to the table and, and help people to achieve? And, and I think that's a, it's a critical piece, right? I think it's, it's okay to say, Hey, we're going to get together and, and do some stuff. But I think being really, really intentional about what you want to provide to this community that you're going to create and being committed to that is really important, right? You've been doing this for 20 years, right? Nobody's asked you to commit to this 
but you have. And right. I think that's a huge part of the power, right? If nobody, if, if you're going to go to one of these things you've never been before, chances are if you asked around town, you'd run into somebody who had been and you'd get really good feedback about it, right? And that's partially due to your commitment to this thing um, and just doing it over a long period of time. Not that everybody has to commit to doing it for 20 years, but if you're going to bring people together and you're going to try to drive outcomes, somebody has to take responsibility to being committed to trying to see those things through. I agree. And so at the top of the episode, we talked about how much founders want to help each other. So Ryan, I think I'd probably speak for both of us uh, when I say this, let us help you. Um, if you're a founder in any city on the planet, if you're looking to either put a group together, join a group, you want to sit in with Ryan and I in a group, uh, what, what have you, or just again, run your own group. It has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Let us help you. Um, email us at therapy at startups.com. We can send you just the kind of quick agenda or playbook that we use for all of these. Not complicated, but I think it's something that if you invest the time in either participating or running your own, there's really not a great way to get a better outcome for your journey. 100%. The other thing that we'll do is set up a discussion in our forums at startups.com slash community. And uh, we'll probably put it under a heading like founder groups or founder dinners. Um, so it doesn't exist yet. Um, should be by the time you're hearing this. Um, but so go and check that out. Uh, we can throw the actual link into the show notes uh, once those are ready. And uh, you can join the discussion there. But certainly email us, hit us up on forums. But if you want to do this, please reach out. Let us find a way to help you. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.